I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking Bat Books, which came out November 1995. So, Jason, I, I snuck in some links to Batman books in the show notes for the previous episode and in the show notes for the to read pile. So if people want to get books, they can. They are straight up Amazon affiliate links. I want to be perfectly clear about that. Like if you want to support the pod, it's a good way to support the pod. However, go to your local comic store. Oh, yeah. It, it, here's the tier structure, right? Number one, up top of the bullet, go to a Comic-Con, buy the book from an artist. Have them sign it, chit-chat with them, talk about comics. Everybody loves talking about comics. Number two is go to your local comic store, talk to them about it. Don't ask them to sign it, just, just buy it. And then number three is click the Amazon link if you're in like a, a comic desert. And then, you know... Yeah. Get a cool get a cool comic book in the mail. That said, apparently a lot of the bat books, especially in this era, are not available in collections. There's a there's a lot that are just not available. However, I can Kelly see that, Jones, yeah. Kelly Jones has two hardcovers that is all his Batman stuff. Oh no shit. They are wildly out of print. So they are they're yeah. like <laughs> They're like $250. I, I put those links in the in the description. I don't expect anyone to buy them. That was such a that was such a um Professor Farnsworth. Good news, everyone. <laughs> but there's Kelly Jones collections of all, of a lot of the Batman stories he did. And they're all out of print and very <laughs> Yeah. I man, I wish that stuff was in print. I wish you could get it pretty easily but we we read along on the dc app which is like some amount of dollars a month I think it's like five bucks i'm not sure but yeah maybe yeah. eight now but yeah not maybe not eight like a, yeah something like that so yeah. so that's where we read and uh we are going to get into bat books in a second however mm. let me tell you about coin boys jason coin boys yeah i read this on reddit on the teachers subreddit because i'm terminally online apparently <laughs> yeah look look yeah. twitter collapsed and then like going deep on reddit like deep on reddit has been the the replacement in my life yeah there's uh yeah spending spending some times in the uh off-season doldrums of the uh nfl and nba uh, yeah. subreddits have been yeah, like yeah. I've been, there you go. I, 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 i've been there even more so i'm like <laughs> what, what's what stupid mini camp news am i gonna read about you know t- today <laughs> so this teacher posted every year these kids come back with a new annoying quirk coin boys are apparently the new thing and they wrote in my 10th year of teaching mostly freshmen and ever since the p- pandemic and honestly, like five years before that, there's always a new quote unquote thing that the students bring to school that they learned over the summer from the internet or wherever. The newest thing here is a flock of self-proclaimed coin boys 
who carry a quarter on hand at all times and constantly flip it. They've modeled their entire personality to revolve around the coin, coin flips, and chance. When we went around doing an icebreaker, four or five of the kids said some variation of live by the coin, die by the coin, for their fact. And just about an hour ago, when I assigned the first assignment of the school year, one of the coin boys was bold enough to say, heads I do it, tails I don't. And I told him if he flipped that coin, he would be getting a call home the first week of high school. He flipped it anyway. It came up heads. Thanks. Thank God for that. But then another coin boy in class started flipping his coin, came up tails. And he said, the coin's spoken and he's not doing the work. I said, very well. Enjoy your zero and a call home. What a great way to start off the school year and your high school career. Wow. That's amazing. That that should be, I mean, I understand as yeah, I understand as a teacher why you have to be like the, stop doing this, you know? Like I have <laughs> please like, please I'm begging you to stop doing this. Yeah, yeah. But as as a as a non-teacher, um it's just it's just beautiful. It's very tempting <laughs> you know? to become a coin boy. Yeah. Yeah. So it is I was I was looking at this and and we are currently covering a two-face arc in Batman and Robin Adventures. Yes. And it made me start thinking about the coin boys in this classroom. Cause I was like, man, if you're flipping the coin, let's say generously, you you flip, you know, to do the assignment, let's say 60% of the time. Generously. Cause it's it's gonna be close to 50-50 the more you flip it. Yeah. So generously, 60%. Say you get 100% on every single assignment, right? You're still failing. Like you're still, you're still oh, making yeah. terrible choices. Hey, you live by the coin, you die by the coin, man. Like, yeah, but then I started thinking yeah. about Two-Face and it's like, it's like he should, half of his choices should be awful for him. Like just absolute, like he should be there like, like live by the coin, die by the coin, like flips the coin, looks at it and goes, well, Rack's shotgun shoots his lawyer and then is like, I guess I'm going to jail, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's show, he's shown to cheat a lot, you know, but I, I do. And, and this is a brand new hot take fresh off the top of my dome. OK, as I was. I was just thinking about two-phase vis-a-vis the coin flip. And I'm like, oh, that's the the urge that at least Americans have. I don't want to speak for any other country because I haven't grown up or lived or been in any other country. But um, Americans have this like idea of justice being black and white. You know, oh, this idea yeah. of it's either you're either good or you're bad, you know? And mm-hmm. like, you're either just a straight up criminal and too far gone, and that's the way you were born, no matter what, or you are a good yep. person and and you can be a good person and do lots of bad things. But if you're <laughs> never labeled as a, a, a criminal, you, you know, you know that you're, you're not that type, but also, but just, but just the clear, I think it's more just like, yeah, the clear, like, no, 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 this is the bad side of the coin. This is the good side of the coin. And that's the way the world works. And if you try to tell me any different, 
I'm going to take a Tommy gun to your face. Yeah, it's it's an attractive way to live without the Tommy gun, perhaps in school. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. let's not do that. Yeah. There's yeah. been too much of that. But oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's the, it's the, the idea yeah. of like also the idea of being like, I'm just going to take it out of my hand. Like, oh, yeah, I've been yeah. making choices for my entire life. And now I'm in high school. We're just going to leave this thing to chance, you know? <laughs> that's a great, that's a, that's a great point. Be like, oh, it wasn't me. It was the coin. Right, right. Exactly. It was, it was the coin that decided. It wasn't me that decided. I didn't decide it. Me? Oh. This is, this oh. is a warning shot for us turning into coin boys. We're going to, TikTok is going to breed two faces is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what's happening around us in the world right now. I would fear that if I didn't know for a fact that the younger generation and even people 10 years older than the younger generation will have a nervous breakdown if you have them call a restaurant on a phone <laughs> to like order something, you know? Yeah. So to like, be fair, eh. to be fair, even in our generation, sometimes I have to steal myself before, <laughs> before picking up a phone. Anyway, we should we should jump into this because I'm also the reason this pod is late is because I've been nursing a cough for weeks. And uh, if my voice sounds weird at any point, it is because I have been coughing for weeks and I have taken so much cough medicine, Jason. I'm basically our man. If he like took a pill and instead of getting super strong and durable, he just like did podcasts. That's basically my situation right now. You replaced your blood with Tussin. Just nothing, not, nothing but Tussin run, yep, running through yep. those veins. Oh, to, to, be fair to, to be fair to you, though. Thick blood. My, my body has also been broken. I have a, yes. ter- I have a terrible pinched nerve. And yeah. I, was, I was thankful. I, I still have it. But I was thankful for uh, the excuse to be like, oh, yeah, it's all Nick's fault. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> totally all him. I'm not all laying right. on my side in great pain. Let's, or let's limp this podcast into the end zone. All right. <laughs> and that starts with the first steps of Batman 525, written by Doug Munch, art by Kelly Jones and John Beatty, Todd Klein on letters, colors by Greg Wright, seps by Android Images, edited by Denny O'Neill with uh, associate editor Jordan Gorfunkel. It's part of the Underworld Unleashed event, which is Neuron, King of Hell, giving C- powers to C tier villains. This is Frozen Assets. Batman runs down his victories. Scarecrow, recaptured. Croc, at peace in the swamp. Black Black Mask, still at large for seemingly years. For a a really long time at this point. You should really get up. Freeze tries to sell. Cryogenic freezing to old rich ding-dongs. It's a total grift, and he's going to take all their money and kill them. But no one signed up. I do love the um, I do love Kelly Jones's depiction <laughs> of the old rich ding dogs, though. Are, oh, are, yeah. So good. They're they're weird little faces. And yeah, his yeah. his drawing of freeze, too, is, is really, really great. You can tell that it's a little bit Batman animated series the way Kelly Jones draws him, but kind of not as well. And I, I I was trying to think if we've seen freeze before this before like kelly jones drew him 
And I don't know if we had, there was like one where he was like fished out of the river, the like holiday one where Montoya was in the morgue. Yeah. And wasn't he also, yeah, there was that. But he wasn't in a suit. He was like in a jumpsuit or whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I have this feeling he had some small bit part in like maybe even like the like the beginning of Nightfall or something like that. Like maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. But a lot like, of the Nightfall, Night's Quest kind of kind of it all blurred together. together. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I was I was trying to think about like. Because I know that he got a redesign on the animated series and then that redesign became like the, yeah, the path iconic. for the comic book redesign. Yeah. And I know that with, um, you know, Neuron giving uh, C-tier villains powers, like he juices up Mr. Freeze and they use it as like an excuse to kind of redesign him. What did he look like before? And we've read so many fucking Batman books, but I have no idea what he looked like before that. You know, this this is giving me uh, a different kind of respect for the um, ultra devoted like super fan who could probably tell you even just ballpark of like yeah. when we were thinking yeah. about like he appeared right. or did or didn't, you know, because yeah, that this stuff just kind of. It, it yeah, all, and we started together. in 91 and it's 95 now. So it's like, yeah, he hasn't been around for like four years. So if you're if you're a Mr. Freeze fan, like you're not eating during this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just you're, you're living on leftovers, whatever scraps that you have in your long box. You're like, well, I guess I'll go yeah. back to my favorite Mr. Freeze. Maybe I'll go to my second favorite one because I haven't read that in a while. You know, like, yeah. So. This grift, no one signs up, no one takes the bait. The rich people are apprehensive about it. Freeze has two henchmen that he's explaining this to, his grift. Um, one is a lady who's basically wearing lingerie and a jacket, and the other is a regular dude dressed up in jeans. They rhyme everything they say. The girl is named Ice, and the regular dressed dude in jeans is named Cube. Which is... It's a thing. Oh, I, 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 I gave a little... I gave a little... <coughs> Freeze is pissed that the elderly people turned him down. So he's like, whatever, we'll just go kill them. It's, it's not a big deal. We tried to grift them. Now we'll just murder them. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a villain. That's always yeah. plan B. So they do that. They leave behind a column card with two circles on it. Batman tracks down the cryolab grift via the phone number for the place. Robin gets an address. Also, uh, Batman made Robin feel like garbage for making a quip in the Batcave about like, like he made some kind of like, I, I forgot because we I read this weeks ago before I got my cough, but he makes some like quip like, yeah, gave him a real cold shoulder. And Batman's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> people are dead. <laughs> Come on, Robin, get it together. <laughs> and Robin's like, Batman. I have PTSD, okay? Gallo's humor is often used by first responders and soldiers after the horrors that they've seen, all right? The things I've seen, man, and I canonically haven't even had sex yet. So you know what? Calm down. Yeah, let's take your judgment down a notch. Anyway, yeah. at the cryolab, Batman finds a handwritten list of victims with great penmanship. Goes to a name on the on the list and finds Freeze has already killed that guy. 
Batman finds the henchmen, Ice and Cube. He makes quick work of them. He fights Mr. Freeze using a medieval shield to block his freeze ray and then uh, blasting caps to get through the ice. Eventually gets to freeze, clocks him in the dome of his suit that keeps him cool and pushes him into a lit fireplace. After doing that, Batman tells him to shut up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gordon and Sarah are working on fixing their marriage. Sarah's endorsing Jim for mayor, even though she works for the current mayor, Kroll. But Jim is dropping out of the race. They're putting everything behind Grange instead. Next issue, Alfred and Robin and the nonstop action of constant whitewater. I don't know what that means. It was written at the end of the, the summary that I had. I don't know if I have, if that's what it said at the end of the issue. I've totally forgotten. Jason, what did you think of Batman 525? I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I do, I do have to say though, it was like more, um, <coughs> I think more from the Kelly Jones art. Like the story was fine and it was fun. The story was a yeah. lot of fun and it was a lot of like hijinks. And I think that like, but I also think that that's maybe all they were trying to do with it. Sure. Yeah. You know, but I, so I think it was a, it was a pretty good really fun story with you know yeah. again great great kelly jones are and a and a really just awesome like badass mr freeze costume yeah. yeah freeze was so cool through this whole thing and it like it made his henchmen terrible because of it like like freeze was great intimidating like violent capable all those things and then the henchmen were like just kind of there to make an ice cube pun and it was just like odd and weird but i also kind of liked it because they rhymed everything and i'm a sucker for that so yeah i, yeah. I don't know but well i think i think this what you said works best without henchmen yeah yeah freeze works best without henchmen um but something you said about the art that first hmm. page where Batman's like on the rooftop and he's like all cape and it's like the city and he's running down his like, uh, you know, scarecrow captured black mask, letting him do whatever he wants, I guess. Uh, that page, that splash that Kelly Jones did is so, so nice. Oh, like, yeah. This issue all the way through Kelly Jones just it's just so good it's just like a unique beautiful voice in comics oh yeah well and do you, and, and on the cape thing do you think that um because i think I, I mentioned it before on some episode way back but i, I remember this quote in an, in an interview with frank miller from the 90s where he joked about uh him and mike mignola were in an arms race to see who could use the most uh black ink per page um <laughs> And like, do you, do you think at the time, uh, Kelly Jones and Todd McFarlane were in a quieter arms race of who could make the wildest, like largest cape, oh, man. like flowing? <laughs> I mean, the... by this time, you know, spawns out, but yeah. Todd also made his mark on Batman with some wild cape designs as well. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's he right. sets that's a tone true. and Kelly Jones is like cracking his knuckles at his desk. Like, all right, motherfucker, let's do yeah, this. It's thing. like, <laughs> it's like. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, okay. I I see it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
I uh, I really like this issue. I also like that we're getting close to the end of the mayoral race because I don't like that subplot. I find it tedious and dull. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want I want another B plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we get another B plot in Detective, but we're not quite there yet. Do you want to take us into Shadow of the Bat Forty Five? Which Jason, this thing, this was this was something. Yeah, it was. Strap in, was. dear listener. Shadow of the Bat, issue 45. The shadow of the bat falls on Wayne Manor in Anatomy of a Murder. Written by Alan Grant, penciled by Mikhail Dukowitz, inked by uh, Ger- uh, Jerry Fernandez, colorist Pamela, Pamela Rambo, top-tier name, color separations, Android images, letterers, Bill Oakley, cover painter, the... Legendary living legend Brian Stillfreeze. Follow him on social media. He still posts a lot. Still posts amazing work. Oh uh, man! So yeah, his his con sketches. Whew. Oh, whew. yeah, yeah. Holy Just shit! Amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jordan B. Gorfunkel is associate editor, and the big editor is Dennis O'Neill. It's a full moon on a cloudy night in Gotham. We have Bullock making his acquaintance with Alfred, who's ever the dry, bitchy wit. So what brings Bullock, Bullock here at this late hour? Well, it's a m- 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 murder in Wayne Manor. <laughs> well, a murder from a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's why it's just that's why it's just Bullock who's you know makes his way through uh, just the opulence and the like. Oh, hey, here this this room costs like five years of my salary. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Bullock is shown to where the corpse is and uh, it's down in the wine cellar and he says, ah, I heard you got a uh, corpse among your clarets, which I'm like, all right, Harv, that's a, that's a good one. He probably like looked up types of wine like before that. You think, yeah, you think he's in the car. Like, uh, I guess not. There's no cell phones at this point, but he's like at <laughs> he's at the office like uh, there's a there's a body in a wine basement. I got to yeah. come up with, I, got, I can't seem like a fucking idiot in front of the Wayne's. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only two wines I, ty, types of wine I know are Car, Carlo Rossi and Manischewitz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's right. Uh, in the wine cellar, in an old drainage ditch, there's a skeleton with a knife sticking out of it. Clearly a murder. But they only sent one cop because like, yeah, it's a nice cold case, as Bullock says. You know, and Bullock is like, yeah, he's probably been dead for like 50 years. And Alfred's guessing longer than that, giving his clearly mid 19th century jacket, which Alfred knows his fast fashion history. So, hey, the the pile of bones is holding a, a book stamped with JTW. And suddenly Bruce is shocked. He's like, holy crap, that's my granddad, Joshua Thomas Wayne, his great great grandfather's brother that just some disappeared during the during the Civil War. Oh my God, how spooky. So while Bruce pretends to be all like sick and woozy about there being a skeleton in the basement, he says he's going to away himself to his library, (laughs) (laughs) which I just always enjoy um, Bruce having to, I think, I think if we imagine uh, Bruce Wayne as a real person, that uh, we imagine him really enjoying playing up being like a scared, like Nancy boy. Oh yeah. 
you know, just I having mean, so much fun with it, being be, being like, you know, like I could kill everyone in this room, but I'm going to pretend that I'm scared of this bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would I would buy a comic of Bruce Wayne, like he's in public, so he has to maintain a persona, and he's being chased by a bee, and <laughs> and that's the whole comic. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I could kick this bee's ass at any time, but I can't because everyone's watching me. <laughs> <laughs> they would know. They would know right away. They would know I'm Batman. If I punched this bee, they'd know I'm yeah. Batman. Yeah. Like, that guy just punched a bee and it exploded. Holy shit, he's Batman. He's Batman. Holy shit. <laughs> it all comes tumbling down. He he did uh something similar in the, the previous pod previous month's books where he like played golf badly on purpose. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. and then Tim's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I can't let my secret idea. It's like, it's fucking golf, dude. You can be good at golf. Like it's okay. Like, that's yeah. Fine. People who like to golf have that friend who's like pretty good at golf. You can just be pretty yeah, good right. at it. You don't have to be like, right. right. Bruce just leaning into being an idiot. I love it. After Bruce weighs himself to his library, he craps a, cracks open an old book titled My Life in the Underground, reading the account of his ancestors and how and why they bought the grounds of Wayne Manor. And they noticed they bought because they noticed all the bats. And they were like, oh, there must be a deep cave somewhere, perfect for their work in the Underground Railroad, helping out, uh, helping escape slaves to freedom. Oh, man, there's going to be some white savior stuff in there. Yeah, whoa, Ooh. man. Oh, oh strap man. In. Strap there's in. Even, there's even a, a long list of names of the escaped slaves they helped to freedom framed and hanging in the library. Which, <sighs> you know, great that you're keeping a list of people's names who are on the run. Yeah, right. But anyway, right. anyway, let's get back to it. Bruce goes back to reading his forefather's account. So back in the past, some newly escaped slaves are secreted into the newly built Wayne Manor rushed in because a bounty has already been set for their heads. Bruce's great-great-grandfather, Solomon, asked where the fifth man is. On their way, he was complaining of the cold and said he wished he was back in Maryland. He must have ran off. This is a big problem. Saul asked about his brother, and he was told that he vowed to bring back the missing man. Okay, so you're hunting a runaway slip. All right, fine. You know what? I'm not going to get too deep into that. Also, Jason, it's like he's he's a slave and he's on his way to freedom. And he's like, I don't know. It's too cold. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> what is this book? Yeah. 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 OK, continue. Continue. So, so that missing man is found by bounty hunters. And oh man, they're not going to be too nice to this guy, Sam, the runaway, runaway slave. Dodges a buck knife thrown his way from one of the bounty hunters, and he just gives up. And just as he's about to be tortured for information on where the other slaves are, a man in a black mask, black cloak, swings down with a frickin' saber, which, gotta say, love every moment of just, like, dude flying through the air, either yeah. wielding a sword or... Tony John Umbach style, just like knee to the face through with like, yes. Yeah. Every, yeah, every time, please. Yeah. Every yeah. time, please. He beats the crap out of the two bounty hunters and, and saves Sam. Now the rest of the escapee escape slaves are getting nervous, thinking they should give up and go back. 
Saul reminds them that there is no going back now. If any of them are caught, it's bad for all involved. And that's putting it way lighter than Saul put it, let's say, because, man, yeah. he gets kind of gruesome. Yeah. The, the two bounty hunters chasing Sam, though, weren't alone. They've gone back to their friends for reinforcements and revenged on the caped man in black who knocked them around but refused to kill them. Which, you know, how all that refusing to killing other men that, like, men did in this time in America, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Civil War, uh, notoriously a peaceful time between Americans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a bunch of conversations, some shouting here and there, but, you know, yeah, right, we, we all right. apologized for it and everything yeah. was fine. The, way, the Waynes make their play to move the runaway slaves. It's winter, it's snowing, they're trudging through the woods, and they happen upon the group of the bounty hunters. Joshua Wayne, the man in black, tells them he'll lead them to the, in the other direction while the rest leave with the escaped slaves. After, some, after a little bit of pushback from Saul, he knows this is the only way to save them all. And what a distraction it is. The aforementioned flying through the air, saber out, and ready to do some damage as he crashes into the bounty hunters. Some things must run in families, I suppose. After causing that ruckus, Joshua leads the crew on a chase across the rope bridge while the snow continues to blanket uh, the ground. Just as he reaches the other side, the first goon he beat up chucks his buck knife at him, hitting him right in the chest. They make their way to finish the job, but it's too late. The rope snaps and they fall to their doom. It's Indiana Bruce Jones Lee. stuff right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was, well, we'll get more into it in a, in a, in a second. Okay. <laughs> they make their way to the finisher job. They all fall to their doom. Bruce figures out that Joshua must have known he was dying and that his body couldn't be found. So he crawled his way into a drainage outlet where he was found that night. Bruce also finds an old newspaper with the headline, Six Bodies Found, confirming the theory he had about what had happened. It was all the bounty hunters. Bullock finishes what he needs to do. Bruce asks who he thinks might have done it, and the sergeant replies, Abe Lincoln, for all I care. Very <laughs> professional, Harv. He's yeah, done yeah. here. Bruce gives his ancestor a proper burial and ponders over the other names on his family's gravestones. They're all dead now. Only their deeds live on. He's the last Wayne, and he has no kids, and he wonders at what his legacy will end up being. Next issue, Cornelius Sturk gets to the heart of the matter in fear frenzy. Nick, what'd you, yeah. what'd you, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you think about uh, Shadow of the Shadow Bat? of the Bat 45, extremely cringy. Like, yes. just, it's, it, it speaks to, it's 1995, and a comic writer has a little bit of knowledge about history, but not a lot. And he doesn't really need a lot because he's selling a Batman book to a child. And so we don't have to be super accurate. The important thing is that the guy swings in with a sword and then fucks shit up. And like, that's all the kid's going to care about. So like everything else is kind of secondary. And it just kind of like feels like that vibe of like, I'm not going to try to really get this right because nobody cares. Um, but we're also yeah. in 1995. We're like on the edge of people starting to care about this stuff and it's it's it reads like an old comic more than something that 
is going to stand the test of time because all the white savior stuff is like really bad. It's there's a part in it where like. Like the slaves are getting nervous or the ex slaves who are in the Underground Railroad. And they're safe in the back cave. And they're getting nervous about like completing the journey or whatever. And. They're like, there's there's some line or something. Um, the Waynes are like, nobody is leaving this cave unless they're going on the underground. Like they're like, they have to like convince the slaves to go for their freedom. Like the white savior is gonna drag your ass across the finish line and save you because you're unable to do it yourself. And it's like, oh my god, what are we reading? What the fuck are we reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, um, yeah, you're right. It's knowing a tiny bit about history, but not doing it. And again, and, and it's like, fair, it's also like, it's, they, it's the time. They want to make the Waynes the heroes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so my it's first like, thought when I, when I was, I was like, oh, of course his ancestors were in the Underground Railroad. Like, oh, yeah. they were racist back then. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I it's get it. but it's like you know, you can put them in the underground railroad, and still have a compelling fight, and not have to do this like white savior nonsense. You know what I mean? Like it, I could see this comic working today, just like adjusted. Oh yeah, yeah, and and like the and the art and the art was great, and the the story itself, absent of like the white savior thing. I thought was a really good a thing that I love about a series like Shadow of the Bat, which is just like, it can be really hard to tell a really good, tight, single issue story, you know, yeah. because like yeah. you have, you, you know, you have the space you have to work with, you know? Right. And, and, and I thought like the story in that kind of structural sense was really good and really solid. It's just the stuff that didn't age well just didn't age well yeah but, but the art was fantastic the like and and again to be fair he's kind of writing it geared towards kids it is what is it yeah. 1994 like yeah you're writing a, you're writing a monthly book you're trying to write other stuff are you really gonna yeah, spend it's just four months i mean i i, I get it i get i'm it, not saying okay i'm not like hand, hand waving it away but yeah right right <clears throat> Shadow of the Bat 43 and 44 also had like indigenous people who are worshiping a cat god that was like a little bit questionable too. And like, oh, yeah, it just feels like maybe this writer didn't necessarily like age well with whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. just like, this is just comics of the time, comics of their day, you know, like. I don't know anything about this person's politics. So whatever, like I'm not going to jump to any assumptions, but none of that stuff aged well, like in 43, 44 or the white savior stuff in 45, none of it aged well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, yeah, it didn't, but I think that it's a, because it it just made me think of how uh, Short Circuit and Short Circuit Two came out not long before this, oh, and no. which featured <laughs> which featured a yeah. white man 
in brown face playing an Indian man doing an oh, accent. So bad. And, and a movie so that I adored when I, I wanted to be Johnny Five when I was a kid yeah, because I thought totally. it, I thought it'd be so cool to read books as fast as he could. Yeah. But like, but like, you, you know, like no, and those were big movies too. Those weren't like, right. you know, so like, I think that like, I don't know, it's, it's judging it at the time, but also as I'm talking, I'm like, well, it's me as a white man who doesn't like, I can recognize things of that are offensive, but they're not offensive personally to me because I've only sure. ever had to live as a white man. Sure. So like, you know, like, so that's why I, I, I swear I'm not trying to like hand wave it or, or anything, right. but just that like, you know, I, I wouldn't really want to hold Alan Grant's feet to the fire over it or anything yeah, like he, it's, it's he a, probably looks back weird, on it and goes like and goes like uh could have done better it's there a weird you line, know? like it's a weird line to to walk because at the at the one point i don't want to hold alan grant's feet to the fire on it like you said but on the other side it's like i don't want to endorse this comic either you know oh yeah 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 you have to you have to like recognize it but like it doesn't mean that like you know, yeah, it, it's like yeah. it's like reading uh, it's like reading Faulkner and whenever he talks about black people, like, well, the language is a bit different because it was written in the freaking 30s, man. <laughs> like, right. It was right. written after World War One. So like not only are there a there were other acceptable things, but like the other things that were not really acceptable weren't like so shocking for a white author to put in their book. Yeah. You yeah. know, so like it's ju it's just a like. I, Man, I, I don't know. I would have really, I would have really loved this story if, um, who was it? Jonathan Wayne? Who was the grandfather who got killed? Oh, well, that was the uncle. That it was, the yeah, uncle. John. Yeah, John uh, was the. Um, if like Bruce was I'm reading sorry, jo the, uh, Joshua, 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 Joshua. Joshua was the uncle. Solomon was uh, his uh, great, uh, was the great, great grandfather. Um, if Joshua, if he's like reading this account, right. And it's like Joshua's full on fucking murder machine, like loves it, loves the murder Punisher yeah. style, you know? And then Bruce had to like, I don't know, reconcile with that, that like there was someone in his family that was like this, even if it was for a good cause, like what does he justify and what does he do not justify? Like that to me would have been a much meatier story than just Bruce being like, and my ancestors were all perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, and you could have had a, a great famous historical example of like John Brown. Well, John Brown was slight, was a bit before the civil war, but not that much before, yeah. you right, know, exactly. or, or even uh fun, fun sports fact. Uh, the the University of Kansas, their mascot is the Jayhawk. They're known as the Jayhawks, right? Okay. Which is which is very funny to me because the, and it's like the nickname for people from Kansas. You know, they're like, oh, it's a Jayhawk, sure. whatever. Jayhawk, though, I don't know if you know your history that much, but bloody Kansas. If you know, like the the run up to the uh, Civil War and a lot of the um, uh, fighting. Uh, uh, and before the Civil War was about what was going to happen in the new territories and the new states that were being incorporated and if they were going to allow slavery or not, you know, and Kansas yeah, was like, sure. was like, 
highly contentious, right? Lots yeah. of uh, uh, fights and murders and back and forths and killings and all of that. Um, and a Jayhawk, though, was uh, uh, an abolitionist who was wildly militant, <laughs> like originally. <Really>? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like they, they were like, oh, you're supporting slavery, huh? I'm going to kill you. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, and oh, that's man. the name of a, um, you know, of a, like, University of Kansas basketball is like the, like, prestigious of, like, like the man who invented basketball, Naismith, after he invented it, went on to coach at the University yeah. of Kansas, like, in the super nice. early days of, like, you know, but so the, the Jayhawks. So, fun nice. sports fact. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Let's move on to uh, Detective Comics 692. Written by Chuck Dixon. Pencils by Staz Johnson. Inks by Scott Hanna. Colors by Gloria Vasquez. Seps by Android Images. Letters by John Costanza. Edits by Scott Peterson with Darren Vincenzo. It's part of Underworld Unleashed event, which was Neuron King of Hell giving powers to C-tier villains. This is lying eyes. We pick up where we left off. Last issue and pod. Spellbinder has Batman and Robin in a white void as she carts away bricks of gold. Batman and Robin are a total mess. They're running into invisible walls and falling down elevator shafts. It's a real shit show. <laughs> Spellbinder gets away. Batman and Robin regroup in the cave and uh, they get Oracle on the case. Oracle solves the mystery of how she's doing this basically instantly and is aware of new powers from the underworld event that's happening all over. Oracle realizes that Spellbinder is manipulating your occipital lobe to make you see whatever she wants. Meanwhile, Spellbinder is wilding out. Huge penthouse, and she's creating to her liking and changing the wallpaper and the outfits of the bellhops, and she's just like having a ball. SWAT can't send anyone in because every time somebody goes in, they think they're in a fantasy world and they freak out. Batman shows up, but this time he has Robin viewing the scene and describing it to him from cameras that are in his cowl. Plus, they're both wearing cybernetic armor to link their movements together. Oh, Robin God. is fighting for Batman, who can't trust his eyes. Batman follows Spellbinder to a ledge, and Robin tries to talk him through it. Batman seemingly takes the wrong step, falling to his death outside on this ledge. But then it's a total fake out. He grabs Spellbinder's ankle, knocking her over. She hits her head and is knocked out. She comes to blindfolded in an interrogation room. She can't use her powers if she can't see. Bullock wants to get to the bottom of this neuron guy. Also, when Tim Drake left Wayne Manor, he bumped into Madeline Corbett lurking in the bushes and being the absolute mayor of fucking crazy town as she's like trying to look in the windows to like see if Bruce is home and like I guess go on a date after that it's fucking weird and then she's like she's like whatever you don't know me ah and then she like runs away from Tim it's so strange Jason and that's the kind of b-tier story that I'm I'm looking forward to Heck, this mayoral election. Give me more Madeline Corbett just being mayor of crazy town. Honestly, yeah, I'd take that over the, the mayor, the mayor shit. Jason, what did you think of Detective Comics 692? I, I, 
despite myself, I liked it a lot. I kind of dug it too, man. Spellbinder was a lot of fun. Well, and not just that, it there's and I know this is totally because of my age, but um not too long ago I had finished up uh William Gibson's All Tomorrow's Party because I had never read yeah. uh, any William Gibson before. And I'm trying to close some gaps in my very poor uh, sci-fi uh, knowledge. Though I love the shit out of sci-fi. Um, and when I was reading it, and because of when it was written, which was the mid-90s, is when All Tomorrow's Party was written. Um, uh, <laughs> just the everything that popped in my head, like all the imagery of it, was just that very 90s sci-fi, um, what, like, the near future of technology will look like, which is just gear, which is just yeah. like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of pounds of yeah. gear. And the, just like the, the rigging that Batman and Robin wear. Yeah. Are, it's like, it does not look comfortable at all. It no, does not no. look like you can fight in it either. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like you could move properly in it, like whatever. And, but, but that just like, between that and between just how over the top of a villain Spellbinder, Spellbinder was, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, all right, that's, you, you know what, like you're, you're hitting all these, like, you know, like when you, when you watch a really good dumb action movie and you're just oh, like, yeah, totally. And you're just like, yeah, no, I, I don't care about this stupid plot. Sure. The main character's crying. He won't be crying in the next two seconds. Okay. There it is again. All right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like I yeah, really, I really, I, uh, really dug it on that on that level. Yeah, it's it definitely had that like schlocky kind of fun action movie kind of stuff. The traumatized SWAT guy who thought he was like in Alice in Wonderland was yeah. very, very good. Um, yeah, man, so good. This is just a solid issue. Yeah, yeah. You want to take us into uh, Batman and Robin issue two? Yeah, Batman and Robin issue number two. Written by Paul Dini, penciled by Ty Templeton, inked by Rick Burchick, colorist by Linda Medley, lettered by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft, associate edited by Darren Vincenzo, and big boy editing by Scott Peterson. And so we are tossed in Medius Beatdown. As Batman and Robin are messing up some thugs for information on where Two-Face is, the very same question Batman asks, well, I mean, he kind of more shouts it, while holding a grown man up a few feet by his shirt as we head into Two-Timer Part 2. Uh, that, I can't believe, I'm, I'm going to be honest with everyone right now, I honest to God just noticed that it was Two-Timer Part 2. And it's two-timer, <laughs> and it's a two-part story, and it's two-face. And this is issue two? And this is issue two of the... Well, of the two-face you know, arc? Yeah. Well, Jason, you're not going to become a coin boy like this. No, you got to get not. it together. But you know what? I have something to aspire to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So none of these goons have seen Two-Face around, but Bats is pissed, and he ain't buying any of their shit. So he drives Robin back to college. Batman is anxious to find Two-Face because he believes his friend Harvey is still in there. Robin thinks he's a lost cause. Batman doesn't want to give up. Robin vaults a 12-foot-high fence to get back into his dorm room, <laughs> bemoaning the tough <laughs> night he's had. I just love a casual, like, 
This is yeah. something I'm always going to love about superhero books. It's like, yeah, he's, a, he's Robin. Why wouldn't he be? He's an acrobat. Yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, well, it's, yeah, it's nothing. And what's this when he walks into his dorm room, though? It's Two-Face and some goons. I love how quickly Two-Face got goons. Uh, I also really appreciate the actual goons themselves because they look like because he he got twin goons, right? Yeah, but it looks like he like couldn't find exactly the go- he's like kind of settling on these goons because they're both like elderly men <laughs> who are like his goons. He's like, I need twins. And this was all I could find <laughs> on such short notice. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. Like, 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 like sometimes you put the order in and they're like, Hey, we have, we have it in one size up or one size down. And you're like, fine. Yeah. I, I, I need it. I'll still take what <laughs> I can get. He, he know he knows. So Two-Face knows that, uh, Dick is close to Bruce. The man he believes betrayed him because of the jokish trick. Dick attempts to reason with Two-Face, but is conked on the back of the head with the butt of a rifle. Classic one button knockout. <laughs> a phone rings at Wayne Manor. As soon as Alfred hears Two-Face's voice, long time no talk, buddy, he gets Bruce on the phone. Two-Face explains the situation. He's got Grace and Dick tied up at one of Wayne's new building projects, the one where the gala was held, where the fake betrayal taken place. See the previous pod. Yep. <laughs> Editor's note. Dick is feigning as much helplessness as he can. Bruce gets instructions to be outside the manor alone. He's going to be taken for a ride. Goon Lift shows up and blindfolds him and shoves him in a car. Brought to the top of the building, Two-Face is excited to see him as they're now one big happy family with Bruce and Two-Face and Grace. One last chance to reason with Harv, and that, you know, doesn't look like it's going to work as it earns nope. Bruce a punch right on his lantern jaw. Two-Face starts ranting. He's asking if, you know, he, Bruce and Grace thought they could get one over on him, but the coin, oh, the coin has already passed judgment and found him guilty. See? Hashtag see, coin I'm, boys. Hashtag co- coin boys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. I'm going to learn how to be a coin boy. <laughs> He's going to blow up Gotham Gardens when the clock strikes two in the a.m. Him, Bruce, he's going to blow up Bruce, his ward, and his new legacy. Two-Face takes Grace with him, though, as he believes in second chances, and that she was seduced by that cad, Bruce Wayne. As the elevator doors closed, uh, Dick gets in a quick, I told you so, to Bruce, which, I mean, we are talking <laughs> about before, I'm like, I don't know, Robin, maybe now is not the time for a quick. <laughs> guy's best friend is lost for... I mean, I, all right, you know what? Fine. You got kidnapped and put to, you know what? Fine. You say what you want. You, you, you took a rifle to the head. It's oh, okay. Right, fine. They only have a few minutes before the bombs go off. Bruce asks Dick if he can reach for his watch, pops it open, hidden inside is some secret Batman tech with lock picking tools. Oh, Bruce, you clever minx. And they <laughs> get themselves free of the restraints just before the booms start a booming. And don't worry, Bruce picked up on the clue that Dick had given him over the phone and knew where they would likely bring him. He has the wing, you know, the badass Batjet, waiting nearby on remote control. Batjet flies over, drops a rope ladder just seconds before the building they were standing on explodes. 
the dynamic duo bringing it to the wire. And then on a getaway yacht, Two-Face is looking at the smoking Gotham sideline and he bids Bruce a dark farewell. Grace asks Harvey what's happened to him and calls him a monster. Two-Face loses his shit and screams directly (laughs) into Grace's face to never call me that. Before he can continue with the villain freakout, Batman and Robin descend from above, suited up and caught up in, in the wing. Batman drops from at least 20 feet again. Another great yep. dropping just carelessly from 20 feet, slamming straight down into Two-Face and knocking yeah. him away from Grace. It's like probably Potentially like- fucking murdering him, Jason. Like <laughs> He's like 200 pounds. He's a, he's a linebacker. And he's yeah. fallen from a plane, like multiple stories, and it's just kicked to the jaw of Two Face. Head head yeah. is liquefied. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I it's just you know what he's Bruce has always had a flair for the dramatic. He's a theater kid at heart. I think. Yeah, he definitely is. He definitely <laughs> is. But yes, Robin's Two Face is not actually dead. He's just yeah. kicked in the head. Robin sees the goons are coming and he makes short work of them. He's enjoying this violence and quips that it's too easy. <laughs> In the excitement, he forgot about Two-Face who just starts blasting <coughs> his gun. He grabs Grace in the confusion. Let her go, Two-Face, he shouts. Two-Face is a little surprised. He usually calls him Harvey, but uh, Bats has finally given up on him. There's nothing left to save. Harsh, but fair, I suppose. Two-Face threatens to throw Grace overboard. While he's delivering this threat, Grace reaches in his pocket for the almighty coin. Oh my God, someone not a coin boy is touching the coin. Jams it in his bad (laughs) eye, buying herself enough time to get away as Batman quickly pummels Two-Face into unconsciousness. The final scene is Batman and Robin looking over the burning wreckage of Gotham Gardens. They didn't lose everything, and all the things that Two-Face destroyed can be rebuilt. And as Batman sees grace walking away he's going no robin not everything can be rebuilt and then he just see a broken grace walk away into the night like oof, oof, heavy shit what'd you think jason i love this issue this is so good fuck yeah um ty templeton i we talked about it last last pod as well just absolutely brilliant layouts there's and and like dynamic figure work all throughout you know um in the beginning where batman's like pummeling goons to try to find out where two-face is there's a part where um robin roped a goon who's trying to get away on a motorcycle and the motorcycle's flying in one direction and the goons flying in the other and you just it's a rope to like just a hand and a foot and a cape of like off to off to the side and it's like that's all you need and there's so much dynamic fluidity in that shot it's so good and then you know you keep reading and i think that my favorite part of the whole thing was was this quiet conversation that batman and robin have in the car where they're like yeah you know batman's like i gotta save my friend and robin's like you gotta see the writing on the wall dude like if Joker was able to just nudge this guy over back into insanity, like he was never sane to begin with, like you were going to release a guy who had a lot of 
serious problems. You know, yeah, it was, it was one bad one bad day away of yeah turning into what yeah he, what he did. And Batman's like, you know, he pushes back. He's like, you don't know Harvey like I do. And uh, you know, uh, Robin's like, but I know Two Face. You know, like this yeah. is this is the reality. It's not Harvey anymore. And I thought that conversation between them was uh, maybe my favorite part of the whole issue, but the whole issue is a standout. It's all good, but like, this is Paul Dini, like doing it up. You know what I mean? This is him just like understanding the character, understanding the tension. And then we have, you know, the last panel of that is he's not Harvey Batman. And Batman's just quietly, stoically, like, thinking and we as a reader are like as we read did robin convince him did he not convince him how is batman going to handle this like does he still see good and harvey and then we get that payoff at the end where like they confront harvey on the boat after the building explodes and he's like you know he's like harvey's like don't or two-face like grace don't say that don't call me a monster ever um, and then Batman swoops in and like confirms he's a monster is like, there's nothing left to save. And it's like, at that point, he like really like we've solidified two face as like the dominant personality that this is a serious thing that like Batman, he's angry and he's like mourning the loss of his friend in this like weird kind of way. I it just, it all worked really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, cause like, you know, I think the whole, like the psychological through line is that like it's Batman. It's Bruce wanting to save Harvey because he thinks there might be a chance he can not be Batman one day. And like, there's a part of, Oh, I didn't consider that. Doesn't want to do that anymore. Because Batman is the whole part of him that is still the pissed off little boy that is his parents got murdered. You know, yeah. like every villain or criminal he like pummels in the face is the same guy that, you know, and, and it's like all he knows, Joe Chill. Yeah, yeah. And he knows on some level that it's not the right way. And so I always thought that like his interest in saving Harvey slash Two-Face is like, no, 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 no. If, 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 if this disfigured guy who's been through so much can get through it, then maybe, maybe I can maybe do Maybe there's something. hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can just live a normal ass rich guy life, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the book was so, so freaking so uh, choice. One, one quick note. I appreciated uh, Robin, ultra fit, college age Robin kicking the shit out of elderly henchman that was having fun with it and having fun on his face yeah Uh, smile on his face but the other thing that i i absolutely wanted to point out was um there are the two pages where the building's exploding when they're at the top of it ty templeton does these extremely long panels that like show this immense scale of this building he pulls the camera way back and by making the panel vertical and having you start at the top of it 
and look all the way down to get to where he, where the explosion is um he's creating this verticality that you don't yeah. normally see in comics yeah a great and amount of depth yeah a great amount of depth and it, that verticality in the panel that you read translates to fear for our characters who are yeah. like really high up and then that page like the the explosion happens and then bruce is like oh yeah i got the bat plane on the way and it's like a couple of uh, horizontal panels on the right side of it he's like yeah the plane's on the way and then when they have to get off the building it's three large vertical panels again to kind of emphasize the fear that these these characters like this building's exploding they're on top of it still and even when they're dangling from the rope like they aren't safe you know yeah yeah there's there's a bunch of fire down there by creating the panels in this way he he and laying out this page this way he really like emphasizes the scale the drama like if it were if it were horizontal panels it wouldn't have nearly the same effect no, no. and so i just wanted to point that out Ty Templeton always yeah. killing it. Yeah. Also. I, mm. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, well, I was holding it from because uh, when we were talking about shadow and like, you know, one of the valid excuses is like, all right, well, it's a, it was a book for kids, essentially, you know, because it was still yeah. especially comics code time and all that. Um, but I, I think that uh, this book and just uh, Batman Adventures are great examples of like you can have a a more you can have a really dramatic deep story that kids will still want to read and you can still make it enjoyable for older yeah. people too because like yeah a 12 year old is gonna they're gonna understand why like grace is sad and they know about relationships and all of that sure. stuff but like not like you know an adult who's maybe like lost a friend from just like even like they had a yeah. fight or they just grew apart or whatever it is and you know and so you can you can have that stuff there it's also probably a lot harder though than yeah you know that i'm than, than i'm uh giving it credit for but uh, right if you're paul dini you can do that <laughs> yeah. not everyone is paul dini yeah yeah it's like yeah it's like <laughs> It's like dr drawing up a play that, uh, you know, that a professional, any professional sports team runs and be like in your rec league, be like, okay, guys, that, but that was supposed to work. It's like, well, no, you're, you're not the, <laughs> it, it, it works for the professional athletes because they're, sure, they're the professional sure. athletes, you know? But yeah, no, no. I, I just think though, is it's just a, even in the nineties, you can find great examples though of like, here is. Uh, a book that's geared towards kids, but also uh, is handling things on a, a more mature level. You know? Yeah, but but yeah. but it is a tough needle to thread. But I just wanted when we were talking about Shadow, I I was like, oh, but I'll wait till we talk about sure. Batman and Robin. Uh, the only last like note that I wanted to make is, and I talked about this a little bit before, but. Uh, Linda Medley's colors so fucking good in this issue. Like oh, yeah. when they're when it's like evening 
and they're like on top of the building uh, or like and Harvey's like getting away before the bat plane like shines its lights down. She's putting in this like um, l- very light blue, very saturated uh, wash that's like very heavy over most of the uh, uh, light side of figures. And then she's using a warmer color for the, uh, the shadows on the figures. And it creates this like incredible mood. But then she's also, and this is something that like when I was starting coloring, I like leaned really heavily into washes like this, but she's also not like a total slave to it. Like the blue wash should be washing out. Like Grace has a a red jacket on and we can always tell where Grace is because we see the red jacket and the blue would really drown that out. It would turn it into like a gray and purple for the shadow. And so she's like, but she kept it red because that was like a really like solid marker of like, where is grace on the page? And she made it all work. And it's, it's one of those things that's like, okay, well, if you make that red, then like all the other reds on the page are also going to be, are going to be weird. It's if they're in the grayer area because they're washed with a cooler color, then the red will on her jacket will look weird unless you go in and make the other reds, you punch them up. So like two faces, lips and stuff are, are like this red. And this is like, it just, it all works really, really well. And it's something that like somebody who's a, this is professional shit. Like that's my point is that like, this is, this is not an amateur, like clunky, clunkily, like kind of like, I, when I started my career, I would stumble into some schemes that were like pretty good. And I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, this worked this time. Like I can see her being a stone cold pro on these pages. And I'm like, fuck yes. Fuck yes. That's great. Yeah. And it's especially great because like the animated style soaks up color. Like this, this stuff, it needs to be colored extremely well. And, and if when it does, it will sing. Yeah, yeah, because the animated style is expect you're expecting the color, so there's a lot of the um, there's a lot of the weight that you don't yeah necessarily yeah the figures and buildings you don't necessarily care so much about your like line weight or about a few other things because right because it looks kind of animated style and yeah yeah and and you're also even like between um just like the the, yeah the detail between each line is essentially Mm -hmm. like there's not a lot because you're you're expecting the color to be there so you're like i'm not gonna it's not art atoms you know yeah yeah you're not gonna yeah yeah but man i do i I do thank you for please continue to always bring up uh, all of those things because i absolutely love hearing people talk about it even if sometimes i might get lost a little bit in so, like some technicality but i love <laughs> it like i seriously like one of my favorite things to do is to like watch like uh, professional like uh, musicians or just musicians who just like really know what they're talking about and like uh, uh sound engineers and stuff like talk about like mixes and why one mix yeah. is good and one mix isn't, or this master, like this remaster ruined mm-hmm. it because it like, and even if I don't hear it or necessarily understand, like, I just like, I love hearing about the detail because there's just so much 
that goes into it. You know, like there's so much that goes into oh. just coloring a single issue of a comic yeah. book that yeah. most people, you know, it's like, or I guess a better recent dramatic fictional example is like the the show, the wonderful show, The Bear, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, man, where it's love like, The Bear. Yeah, but where it's like to make this food, like this good, like this is the kind of like, practice and dedication and here's all the tiny right. little details you right. have to experience just so someone you have to work your ass off for a week so one person can have an amazing one hour of their life right <laughs> right know? yeah yeah like yeah. Uh, but but i just i don't know i i, I just love that because like it's just like it's just so human you know to right. be like no 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 no. i'm gonna I, i'm gonna do this yeah there's there's something beautiful about like trying a thing and being like, I can do that better. And then being like doing it again and being like, I can do that a little better. And then like doing that for decades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and wondering if anyone ever notices, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's right. Like, and it's like, yes and no. Cause I think I've, I'd seen a debate, this debate pop up every once in a while on comic art Twitter, where I think it's mostly tired artists and overworked artists probably. Um, being just either complaining uh, for or against uh, detailed backgrounds in panels. Oh, yeah. And then some people being like, well, no one's going to notice any of the like, you know, but I think the counterpoint and my counterpoint usually is, is that like, well, yeah, maybe not everyone's always going to notice like every little like book on the shelf or something like that. But the world, sure. you, the world you create and having it be more whole is yeah. going to drag them I, in i also i love it when artists post on twitter and they're like hey uh i drew the fuck out of this duffel bag that's like stuffed into the background you know yeah. and it's like oh, yeah. it, and it's like just an absolute beautiful image of a duffel bag that's stuffed into the background and you're just like yeah man fuck that's a great duffel bag you know, because oh, yeah. like there's all these little moments in comics and uh, where like because you have to draw everything and you have to like live in that space and like drawing, coloring, whatever. And so it's like you're intimately familiar with like every background, every nook and cranny of every panel. And it's like sometimes you, you start in there and and like this has happened to me before where I've like started rendering something and I got kind of sucked in because it's like going really well and then the, and then like i stay take a step back and been like man i over rendered that thing but like it looks gorgeous and i'm keeping it and like no one's gonna notice this character in the background that's like fucking gorgeous but here's yeah. where we are <laughs> yeah yeah well, cause, cause, i mean because like that like at the end of the day other than like you know the food you get to live uh yeah, i mean the right. money you get for the food and all that is like that's you know, the enjoyment like, yeah, that's why you pursued it in the first place is like, oh, wouldn't yeah. it be cool to every once in a while get to that moment where I right. get to just exactly. be like supremely satisfied on chasing that dragon. Yeah. 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 Last issue, we were promised a letters column. This issue did not deliver a letters column. So I think that uh, Scott decided, Scott, the editor, decided that um, I think he was going to do a letters column for. Uh, Gotham Adventures and then decided not to because it's kind of weird doing a letters column for a book that's a different title. 
So uh, no letters this time, and uh, there's no next issue stinger at the end. So who knows what we're going to get for the next issue of Batman Robin Adventures. But I'm excited. Maybe more Paul Dini, maybe more Ty Templeton. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We shall. We shall. One other thing that I I just wanted to make a comment on, and this is probably going to go in the beginning of the pod because now we're at the end of the pod. But on YouTube, I'm also posting uh, this podcast. And if you want to see some of the pages and see some of the stuff that we're talking about, I, I ripped some pages out of, uh, out of uh, the DC app and have put art with the video. So a lot of times it's just me and Jason talking, but every time we refer to a piece of art or something and we're describing it, um, I try to put that piece of art on screen so you can appreciate the, the book as well as us. So, yeah, if you nice. want to check that out, that's youtube.com slash Nick Phil. Nice. Jason, how do people get in touch with you? They can still get in touch with the, I'm still calling it Twitter. It's Twitter on the Twitter machine. At you're not you're not posting some X's. No, God, the dumbest <laughs> goddamn thing. I will say but before I before I give the final preamble, it's en- endlessly hilarious to me that Elon is such a dipshit that he made <laughs> Zuckerberg look like a cool guy for the oh only my God, time. It's so fucking weird, that dude. Man's entire life, Mark Zuckerberg had more has more money than God. And has never been cool his entire life. And he grew up with a shitload of money too. And he has still never been a cool kid. And Elon Musk is such a freaking idiot that he that made, he made him look cool. Yeah. Yeah. For a brief moment. Wow. But they can reach me there at King of Black Acid and also us at World Second Finest. That's World Second with the number two. And Nick is at Nick Phil. Basically um, everywhere. everywhere. Uh, on linktree.com slash Nick Phil. You can find all my links there. I actually just set up a blue sky, but I haven't posted mm-hmm. anything up there yet. I don't know if that's going to be the Twitter killer, but I'm ready. Yeah. I've parked the account. I've browsed over there a little bit more often. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Part of me is like, maybe just no social media. Maybe I'm a, over 40 year old man who just wants to be done. But then I'll see something that'll like pull me back in. And I'm like, maybe social media is good. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always that, you know, just keep, keep it off your phone. At least I, I, I try to keep it off yeah. my phone. Yes. Yes. That, that, that's exactly. my trick. Keep it off the phone. Yeah. Um, best way to get in touch with me is not through social media, but to join the discord yes. where we hang out and talk comics. Uh, We've been chatting a lot about comics in general. Um, and I have also been posting about uh, fixing Sega Saturns and how much of a nightmare it's been for me. So if you want that content, it's up there on the Discord. Get on Come that join content. Us. Get it. Get on that content. I'm Get a content it. machine, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>